What is peace to you? Maybe peace is going just a moment without the cell phone ringing. Maybe, maybe even stringing a whole hour together without that cell phone going off. No text messages, no calls, just peace. Maybe peace is putting your, your kids to bed and just having just a short little moment of, of silence and quietness. Maybe peace is when you get to, to take off of work and you head to the beach and you, you get to sit there all day in the sun and listen to the waves come against the shore and the birds flying around. Maybe that is peace. Peace could be looking at your, your checking account and knowing that you have enough money to pay the bills and that you don't owe anyone any money. We experience peace in different ways, at different times, for, for different periods of time. And you come to learn something about peace. You come to learn that, that peace is, is perhaps that, that momentary feeling that everything is all right. That everything's okay. And we yearn for that. We want that so badly because we live in a chaotic, stressful world where chaos and stress come at us from all, t- all sides. They seem to attack us. And no one is exempt from causing us stress and chaos. We get it from our friends, even. From our kids. From our parents. We can even get it from our, our church. Or our job. And it leaves us saying, we just need a break. We yearn for a time when we feel like everything is okay. And we cherish those moments when they come. All the while, mourning. Mourning over the brevity of peace in our lives. What if? What if peace was more than just a moment? What what if peace was something that consumed you, that followed you through your entire life and and into eternity? That's the peace that Jesus offers you. And he says, peace be with you. It's hard to imagine a more chaotic week in, in the lives of anybody ever than the last week of Jesus' life, especially from the perspective of the disciples. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. In the upper room, hearing Jesus talk about how uh, Judas was going to, to betray him and how Peter was going to deny him three times and how he was going to suffer and die. Imagine how the disciples felt as they they stood in the Garden of Gethsemane and they see those soldiers coming towards them. What's going through the disciples' minds as they they run away, scared for their own life as Jesus is arrested and taken towards Jerusalem? What's going through Peter's head as he's sitting outside the gates, weeping bitterly after denying Jesus three times? It's hard to imagine the depth of sorrow 
the chaos in, in their souls over what was happening, their leader, and not only their leader, the one whom they put all of their trust in, is dead. And it doesn't really seem like the chaos is anywhere close to stopping. Jesus is dead. Their whole world is turned upside down. But now, people are after them. The same people that killed Jesus want to kill the disciples now too. And so they're afraid for their lives. And they hide in this room with the door locked, scared of what might be going on outside that door. When all of a sudden... Someone appears in the room with them. (laughs) And they're frightened because the door didn't open. Nobody broke in through a window. Nobody came through the ceiling or dug through through the ground. But all of a sudden, there's this person here. Is it a ghost? Is it someone there to to hurt them? And they hear the words from the mouth of this man. He says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. It's not a ghost. I'm not a ghost. (laughs) I'm Jesus, right? And he shows them the nail marks in his hand and the spear mark in his side. That's proof. It's proof that this really is Jesus. This was their leader, the disciples' leader who they followed for three years. The one they thought was dead and now he's alive standing in front of them. They can see it. They can touch him. They know it's, it's Jesus. And then we get to the first words of our verses for today. He says, peace be with you. <laughs> Wait, didn't he already say that? He already said peace be with you. He, he proved to them by showing his hands and his side that he wasn't a ghost. So, so Why? Why did Jesus need to say, peace be with you again? Could it be that the disciples, standing before Jesus, knowing that it was Jesus, made them feel uncomfortable? Could it be that they even were more fearful that it was Jesus than if it was a ghost? Think about the days preceding this. They were all in in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they all ran away. Peter denied Jesus three times, and on the third, met Jesus' eyes and knew that he had failed him. Nobody was there when Jesus died except for John. They failed. Many of them promised that they would be courageous and that they would stand with Jesus and they would go with him even to death. And they didn't. And the guilt of their failure came at them all at, at once. They, they were forced and, and conf- to, to deal with it and they were confronted with it because Jesus was standing right there in front of them. They were standing before God knowing that they had failed him and, and expecting that he was going to scold them, or worse, punish them. Now, the disciples were forced to, to deal with this, right? They, they really couldn't get away from Jesus appearing in the room. 
So they were confronted with their guilt. How, how would you have reacted? Maybe a better question is this. How do you handle guilt in your own life? By my estimation, there's really two ways that you can handle guilt. You can deal with the guilt like the disciples were forced to, right? They were confronted with their guilt. Or you can avoid guilt, avoid dealing with it, which to us kind of seems easier, doesn't it? Just push it away. Don't, don't think about it. Avoid situations where you might think about it. And you may even start to, to try to avoid people that remind you of your guilt. You might avoid people that would hold you accountable for, for what you do or say. You might even avoid coming here and hearing that you're a sinner and that you are guilty. But here's the reality about guilt. As hard as we try to push it away, as much as we think that we can do that, Unresolved guilt will follow you everywhere. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Unresolved guilt will stay with you each and every day of your life if it remains unresolved. And we, we try to convince ourselves that that's not the case, right? We, we try to convince ourselves that just given enough time, right? Time heals all wounds, and if, if we, we just wait four or five years down the line, we'll forget about that. And we won't be thinking about that or feel guilty about it anymore. We, we try to lie to ourselves and say, well, if I can really focus on the things that I've accomplished in my life, if I can really make something of myself, then I'll, I'll forget about that guilt. The reality is, That guilt will never leave you. Unresolved guilt will never leave you. And the longer it festers in your heart, the more it will eat away at you. It will eat away at you from the inside out. I don't know if we have blue spruce trees in Texas. I haven't seen any, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist here. Uh, They're all over the place in Wisconsin. Um, they're a beautiful tree. I, I love them because we don't get much color up there in the winter. All the leaves fall to the ground, and it's just white up there, all the snow on the ground. But the blue spruce tree keeps their, their little needles, and they add some color to a, a Wisconsin winter. They're a tree that can live for a long period of time, but when they start to die, something interesting starts to happen, and this happens to other trees too, but um, you see it more clearly on a blue spruce tree. So, say for example, the the tree is getting overwatered; it's sitting in a, a puddle of water, and the roots begin to rot. That that rot starts in the roots, and, and it works its way slowly up through the trunk. But the needles are still the same color. You can't see any of this on the outside. And as the rot works its way up the trunk, eventually you start to see the needles that are closest to the trunk turn brown or fall off. 
and it slowly works its way out until the entire tree is brown and dead. Guilt works the same way. Unresolved, it will eat you away from the inside. And if you hold on, if you, you let that guilt follow you through your life, you will never, never know peace. It, it will rot your soul. And it will end in death. Jesus knows this. He, he knew the guilt that the disciples were carrying around. The guilt that they had failed him. He knows the guilt that you carry around. Even the guilt that, that no one else knows, that, that is secret only to you, he knows that you carry that around with you. And so he says to the disciples, as he says to you, peace be with you. He's saying, you're forgiven. To the disciples, he's saying, you're forgiven for your cowardice, for running away in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, you're forgiven for denying me three times. You're all forgiven for abandoning me. With four simple words, peace be with you. He calms a guilty and troubled heart of each and every one of those disciples. And that was theirs personally. Given, they were given, these words were given even more power by what they had just seen. The nail marks in the hands. The spear mark in the side. Jesus had died on the cross and he did it for them. They could talk to him. They touched him. They listened to him. They knew he was alive. And because he was alive, they have life. They were given life. They're no longer dead. They're not a dying spruce tree. They're alive because they're forgiven. That's what the resurrection means for you. It it means that you have peace. That the guilt that you've been carrying around, no matter how long you've been carrying it around, is forgiven. That's a fact. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. You are forgiven. Jesus has come and lifted that guilt off of your shoulders and said, I've taken care of it. I took that to the cross. So you can have peace. When the disciples stood before Jesus, they needed to hear peace be with you again because they were guilty and they were troubled. When you stand before Jesus on the last day, you won't feel guilt over your life. Or shame. You won't be afraid to stand in front of Jesus because he's forgiven all of your sins. You will stand as a child stands before a loving father and you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come enjoy my mansion. That's true peace. That's more than momentary peace. That's long-lasting and enduring peace. Peace. It is peace sealed in the resurrection. We talk about the, what the disciples went through. 
on, in the last few days of Jesus' life here on earth. But just think about their, their three years before this. The, the miracles that they've witnessed. Actually, John, which uh, that's where our verses are coming from today. John wrote that there were also many more miracles that aren't recorded in the book. But if he recorded all of them, it would be a really long book. But it, it makes you wonder what the disciples saw. They saw so many wonderful things. They heard Jesus speak with wisdom unlike any other person. Even Solomon didn't have the wisdom that Jesus had. They saw a man live a life that no one else could live and no one else has lived. They saw all these wonderful things. And if that wasn't enough for them to want to go out and tell everyone about what they had experienced, then what happens in our verses happened. <laughs> they witnessed Jesus and they touched his nail marks and the spear mark in his side. They saw that he was alive and he calmed their guilty hearts. It was personal for them and they wanted to share it with everyone. And if all of that wasn't enough, <laughs> then Jesus gives them the words from, from Matthew 28. A lot of you know it and if you know it, Say it with me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What do we, what do we call those verses? The Great Commission, right? Yeah, very good. The, the Great Commission, the, the great mission that we're sending the disciples on, that, that we're sending you on to go make disciples of all nations. What if I told you that there was a Great Commission that took place, that, that was spoken even before the words we just recited? It's the words in the second part of our verses for today. Jesus, Jesus says this, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It maybe has a similar ring, right? Go and make disciples. I am sending you. But what's the mission in this other great commission? To forgive sins and to withhold forgiveness. Maybe that needs some explanation. One of the, the great miracles that Jesus performed in his life was of this paralyzed man. So there, there was this paralyzed man who had some friends who, who cared about him, who, who didn't want him to remain paralyzed forever. And when they heard about Jesus, when they heard that this, this guy was healing all of these people, they're, they're like, let's, let's take him. Let's take this paralyzed man to him and have him healed because they loved him and they cared about him. So, so they brought him to where Jesus was. And Jesus happened to be in, in a house at the time, surrounded by, by people. You picture standing room only. You're, you're bumping shoulders with the people around you. There's people spilling out the front door 
And, and when they got there, they realized that there's no way. <laughs> there's no way carrying this paralyzed man that they're going to w- make their way through the crowd to see Jesus. But that wasn't going to stop them. <laughs> they knew if they could get this man to Jesus that he might heal him. So they climb up on the roof. You remember this story maybe. They, they make a hole in the ceiling and they lower this paralyzed man down in front of Jesus. And everything that they wanted to happen, happened. Jesus healed the man. But do you remember what, what happened first? You see it on the screen. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And it's typical. We, we expect this from Jesus, right? We're taking care of the, the spiritual problem first. And then we'll heal his physical ailment. But the Pharisees heard Jesus say this, Son, your sins are forgiven. And they were indignant. Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Only God has the power to forgive sins and the authority to forgive sins. But, but in this story, that was kind of the point, right? That Jesus is God. He proved it by his miracles. He healed this paralyzed man. He did many other wonderful miracles. He was God and is God, even up until his greatest miracle of rising from the dead. But now, Jesus is giving that, that ability and that power to forgive sins to his disciples. And, and I'm telling you today that you have the power and the ability to forgive sins. If there was a Pharisee sitting here right now, they would stand up and they would yell at me. They would be so appalled at this. How could an electrician, a home builder, a teacher, a child, a mom, how could they have the the authority to forgive sins? How could a vicar have the authority to forgive sins? It comes down to this, and the question that lies behind those is, how do I know (laughs) that my forgiveness is valid before God? If a vicar says, you are forgiven, how do I know that that's valid? We're naturally skeptical about things that we care about in this world, things that matter. Here's a silly illustration for you. I've done mobile banking for a long time. Maybe some of you do it. I, I love it. It makes it really convenient. I've never really had to, to live in a world where you um, have to balance your checkbook based on receipts. I can just look online and see all that. There's lots of blessings that come from it. And one of them that I discovered, maybe it's been around longer, in the last two years is the mobile check deposit. You just get to take a picture of the front of the check and the back of the check, and it it goes right into the bank. You you never have to step foot in the bank. And as much as I love it, as much as I use it, there's still a part of me. (laughs) There's still a part of me that doesn't trust it. (laughs) There's still a part of me that will hold on to that check until I see that money in my account. And even more than that, will hold on to the check even after 
that, that, that check has been cashed and long in my account. In fact, yesterday we were just burning a lot of those, those checks that I have kept. It's hard for us to give trust and to trust certain things. It's the same with when it comes to forgiveness. And God knows this about us, that we can be forgiven. Pastors stood up here and said, I forgive you all of your sins. You're forgiven. You believed you're forgiven. But the devil works on you. An hour later, a day later, a year later, he can make you feel like you're not forgiven. He can bring back those feelings of guilt because we got a good memory and we remember those sins that we've committed. So how can I trust, how can I trust that pastor's words up here that I'm forgiven are valid and certain? How, how can I trust that when I give forgiveness to others that that is valid and certain for, for them before God? Did you catch this little part here? It's highlighted for you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, now just pause for a second and take, take in the beauty of this phrase. It, it may seem weird. Jesus breathed on them, but, but think about it. This is the same breath that spoke the world into existence. This is the same breath that gave Adam Life. Remember, Adam was formed from the dust, and he was given life by God breathing the breath of life into him. And what's he doing here? He's breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. He's, he's breathing that Spirit in, into their hearts. They had the authority and the power to forgive sins, and that was ensured to them by the Holy Spirit that was given to them. You have the same Spirit. The Spirit that works through the Word that we read in three lessons in the morning. The Spirit that was given to you at your baptism. That was the promise. The the promise of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. The promise that when you have the Holy Spirit, it is a, a deposit guaranteeing your forgiveness. That you are forgiven because Jesus died on the cross for you. You're forgiven because you have been washed clean in baptism. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you power to forgive other people's sins. So how do we, what does this mean for us? How, how do we take this into our, our lives? If we forgive someone their sins, they're forgiven. If we don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Do I have this arbitrary power to forgive sins when I feel like it and withhold forgiveness from the people I don't like as much? Of of course not. But you have been given the power and the deep privilege to care for people spiritually. To to be a peace giver. Even when it means withholding forgiveness to the impenitent. Even when it means saying you are clearly not impenitent or you're clearly not repentant, you are not forgiven before God. And you say that with, with great mourning and with great sadness in your heart, 
but with the intent that you will lead that person to forgiveness. That that person will wake up and come to confess their sins so you can give that forgiveness. You can take care of people spiritually and give them peace. It means that when we do forget, when we do forget that we're forgiven, when we do uh, have feelings of guilt come back up again, that your, your friends, your family, your pastor can give you the assurance that you are forgiven. And it's as certain as the disciples seeing those nail marks and the spear mark. Peace is hard to find in a chaotic and stressful world, but, but peace is more than a feeling. Peace is a fact and a great blessing that Jesus gives to you. It's sealed in the resurrection. It's peace that you can give to others because it's peace that everyone needs. And it's peace that lasts forever. Amen.